This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Don on Careers on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and by day I lead career management for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. Happy 2021. We cannot say that enough. We're so excited to be with you in a new year and thrilled to be bringing you lots of new content on Dr. Dawn on Careers. So mark your calendars for noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Thursday and tune into Channel 132 for the latest career tips, job search advice, and market updates. And of course, a big shout out to Dion Simpkins, our engineer, and Dana Cash, our producer, who make this show sound so phenomenal each week. So today we're excited to have Jeff Hayden joining to share how you can stay motivated in 2021 and actually get those New Year's resolutions to stick But before we get to that, let's talk about some interesting new developments that are going on in the world of business. So in 2020, many people in the job search got very familiar with Zoom and video interviews, and we had many experts on the show to talk about tips to make the best impression in using these emerging formats. So just when you thought you had things nailed, here comes 2021. And the hollow presence. Just like in Star Wars, hollow presence technology is capable of projecting your person in hologram form in real time across the world. So today we're speaking with Larry O'Reilly, Chief Executive Officer at Art Media Inc. And this is a company that uses an augmented reality holographic technology platform that allows humans to interact with human holograms created for services like sales, presentations, concerts, and I'm sure soon to be interviews. So this is an interesting development. Um, And this technology, of course, has the possibility of saving companies millions in airfare, hotel rooms, per diems, and improve engagement and retention at the same time. So remember when I kept saying the future of work is here? Well, it is definitely true. So Larry, welcome to Dr. Don on Careers. I'm so excited to, to hear about this new technology. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Great to be with you. Let's dive right in. So, so when I was growing up, we watched the Jetsons cartoon, and we were amazed by by video conference calling. And you know, now Zoom has over three hundred million users daily. And just when we were adjusting to that, we now have holograms. And will this be? Is is this technology just like we've seen in the movie Star Wars? Well, it's like Star Wars, but only better. Uh, the big difference is that. You know, we project people life-size, lifelike, in 3D, and with no latency on the audio. And when you're in the audience and that's happening, your brain is telling you they're there in the room with you. It's called creating presence. Okay, so I have to ask, I know this is a little off topic, but like Zoom, does it does it touch up your appearance and maybe kind of... Uh... <laughs> Probably not yet, right? Um, no, not not quite yet. And and for our online platform, which we call Virtual Global Stage, the big difference between um, what we're doing and, and Zoom is that you're getting a full body. So you're getting a head-to-toe image. You're getting most of, of, of communication, as you well know, is, is nonverbal. And so you get all of that nonverbal communication, and it's much more natural in terms of the, the communication. So this means, Larry, that we can no longer wear pajama bottoms on top and professional (laughs) or sorry, pajama bottoms and professional on top, because this is going to mean we have to we have to kind of pull ourselves all together. Right. Dr. Don, you are fully exposed to using (laughs) technology. There's no doubt about that. All right. That's a little scary. But so so. you know, people are used to Zoom. How difficult will this be for people to learn? And is it at this 
early stage so costly that it's 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 not even practical for many companies? Well, it's practical for many many companies. That's for certain, but uh, but probably isn't a consumer product. And you know, as we all know, Zoom is effectively a consumer product that's been adapted by business. And thank goodness we've had it because you know it's enabled all kinds of communication. However, you know, larger enterprise organizations who market their products by meetings and conferences and, and presentations, et cetera, are looking around saying, well, what's next? What's, what's more reflective of our brand? How do we raise the bar? And, and we're how they raise the bar. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we are kicking off Dr. Don on Careers with Larry O'Reilly, CEO at Art Media, which is a company that is bringing holographic technology to the workspace. So just when you got used to Zoom and used to wearing your pajama bottoms, we're now going to have an opportunity to project our full selves into business meetings and presentations across the world in real time. And Larry is here sharing how that technology Technology is emerging and what we can expect. So, so Larry, can you can you give an example of someone who's using this technology right now and, and how it's it's playing out? Sure. We have a couple of different ways that we display. We we have an in-person display, the holopresence that you alluded to for, for live audiences. And obviously that's quite limited on, on the global stage. However, you know, very recently we captured Michael Milken, the, the, the famous investor hedge fund guy in Los Angeles, and we beamed him live on stage in, into Singapore for the Milken Foundation annual conference. And there he had a live audience, he did a presentation, and then he did a long, then he was on a panel and then he did a live Q&A. And he was actually on stage for over two hours and seconds after landing on stage, the audience would forget that it's even a hologram. And so he was able to have all of the impact of being in Singapore, but he was actually at home in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And I'm wondering, um, I know right now, just from what I've read, it seems like you're using it for those types of purposes. Um, do you see this being a viable tool for, for interviews, so job interviews in the future? Absolutely. And, and primarily for the reason I mentioned before in terms of all of those non-verbal cues. Um, I was in the search business myself for, for four years earlier in my career. And in those face-to-face -face interviews, you know, what people say is such a small part of the impression that you make overall. And with us, um, being able to present a person in, in, a, in a full form in 3D without any noticeable latency, the actual impact is the same or in some cases even greater than, than being there in, in person. So, so Zoom was fairly simple for most people to integrate, Larry, because, you know, you just kind of download it on your computer and, you know, your most computers have a camera and, and you're set to go. Um, how, how easy or difficult is it to, you know, for the average user, let's say, to um, use this technology? I mean, do you need special equipment? What, what do we uh, need to kind of get started on this? Yeah, I mean, the reality, and, and to your point, like with any new technology, you know, um, it, it's expensive when you start off and then and then it comes down over time. And when I first uh, got involved with this company in 2018, um, you know, the starting price for us to do an event, I, capturing a person in one location and being them somewhere else was about $85,000 and it went up from there. Now we can do that for, for $15,000. So, you know, you might not spend $15,000 to visit your mother in, in another city, um, but some people might. Um, but so right now, you know, we're really quite focused on, on the corporate applications, the government applications, et cetera. However, you know, the cost for people to go to meetings, the, the time that they are out of the office, the effect on the environment, all are significant factors when considering actually using this technology. Because it is a professional presentation as opposed to more of a consumer type, um, we actually need a professional capture um, uh, on the capture side, and then, and then we have various forms of display. So it's fair to say, Larry, that in, in 2021, we're probably not going to be seeing much personal use of this. This is going to be something that maybe, um, you know, executives use in, in doing meetings and presentations across the world. When do you, when do you project that the technology will be um, at a price point and at a simplicity level that the, you know, average home computer person can be using this quite regularly? 
Well, I mean, the reality is we can, using our software, we can actually improve the quality of the streaming um, to, to computers today. However, that's really not the focus of where we're at. I, I suspect that you're going to start seeing larger wholesale adoption um, by individuals um, as early as next year. I mean, we have a, a U.S. Um, hot, extremely high-end home builder who's actually incorporating it into um, plans and making suggestions to for their big CEO clients that if you know if they have their place in 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 Sun Valley or whatnot, that they can actually have both a capture and display and visit their executives around the world without actually having to get on a plane and do so. So it's starting, that's for sure, on an individual use basis. But um, as the display technology um, improves and as the capture technology gets simpler, it will become a much more common thing. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Don on Careers, Sirius XM 132. We are live every Thursday. And today we're talking with Larry O'Reilly, Chief Executive Officer at Art Media, which is a company that has created holographic technology platform that allows people to inter- interact via hologram, which is going to be um, coming to a, a maybe job interview or presentation near you, not too far off in the future. So, so Larry, I know that you spent about two decades working at, at IMAX, and I remember seeing my first IMAX movie, and it's, it's one of those things where, where you do really feel like you're in, in that environment or in that 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 place wherever that movie is taking um taking place so so i imagine that you've brought a lot of that thinking and um you know technology to this this product without question and you know one of the things that that struck me is the first time i experienced it um i was in an office setting in toronto and they beamed somebody in live from los angeles and it was the exact same feeling of when I saw IMAX for the first time. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it's just way better in terms of the quality than I expected it to be. It was very, very engaging and, and it's an immersive at the same time. So many of the same principles of when me and my colleagues um, at IMAX took what was an amazing consumer experience in museums and science centers with not necessarily the best business model overall. We thought, okay, well, what's the best way to apply this? And that was to drive down the cost of building IMAX theaters, make them a bit smaller, have them be the anchor tenant of multiplexes, and then um, work with the studios and enhancing their best movies and make royalties on, on both sides. We're taking a similar approach here. And, and I can tell you that it, I, it doesn't matter how well I describe it, um, when you actually experience it in person, um, it's always better than, than, than you would believe that it would be. Yeah, I, I was amazed by that. I know we're going to be amazed by this. I am so excited to see this technology um, emerge and how it impacts not only the world of business, but obviously hiring and networking and lots of other things that have to do with careers. So, so Larry, where can people learn more about this technology? Well, the best place is just to visit our, our website, um, arht.com, artmedia.com. And uh, there are quite a number of examples of our work there. You get an understanding of what's involved and we can put you in touch with somebody on our team. We have studios around the world. And um, so regardless of where people are picking us up on Sirius, um, we have somebody that's relatively local that they can talk to. Fantastic. Larry, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and sharing this technology. And again, go to Art Media and don't forget that that silent H in there, A-R-H-T, to learn more about holographic presence. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. And for more great tips and advice, you can follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. We're excited to have Jeff Hayden coming up next to speak about how to get motivated in 2021 and nail your goals, but first a little news to sweeten your day. In case you need something to look forward to, there is a new machine called Cold Snap, which is essentially a Keurig for soft serve ice cream. The product launched at the CES Tech Show and takes shelf-stable, recyclable ice cream pods of varying flavors and freeze them in about 90 seconds before dispensing them into a cup or cone. Pods are made from aluminum, kind of like a soda can, and I think 
every office across the country should welcome back workers when we return to the office with one of these these ice cream curing type coffee machines because who does not love ice cream? What else is new in 2021? Well, I'm on YouTube now with video shorts sharing mini bites of career advice and job search tips in two to three minute chunks. So subscribe today on YouTube and you'll be the first to see them when they come out each week. You're listening to SiriusXM channel 132. Now we're excited to be speaking with Jeff Hayden, TEDx speaker, LinkedIn influencer, and author of The Motivation Myth, How High Achievers Really Set Themselves Up to Win. Jeff is also contributing editor for Inc. Magazine, and we're happy to have him here today to help us get on the right track in 2021 to achieve our goals. Welcome to Dr. Don on Careers, Jeff. Thanks, Don. I I am tickled to be here. I've been a serious subscriber forever, and other than a really short appearance on the Howard Stern Show, this is my this is my debut, and it's awesome that it's with you. Well, fantastic. I'm a big fan of yours as well. And I think this is the perfect time to have you on the show because so many people kick off a new year with resolutions, typically around health, career, money, or family, things like that. But statistics show that 80% of these goals don't stick. Now, as, as a motivation guy, there has to be some connection to that. Why, why, why don't these stick, Jeff? Uh, first of all, because, well, this is just my opinion. Uh, I think New Year's resolutions are kind of silly because if you've decided to do something, why wait for an arbitrary date? Um, and I think that's a factor within it. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I think January either 17th or 19th is National Quitters Day, which is statistically the day that more people than any other day give up on their New Year's resolution. Um, but the biggest issue is if we want to start with basics, it's because most people assume that an external event like New Year's Day, for instance, and a New Year's resolution is something that will give them motivation. And, and I argue and believe that motivation isn't something you get. Motivation is something that you create for yourself. Ah, so it's something we have to create. I'm curious um, if it also has to do with the goals that we set. Do we, we, do we just set... Um, Poor goals? Do we just not set ourselves up, even if we are motivated? Is that part of the problem too? Well, that's a huge question. Um, I would say that there are no bad goals, but there are lots of bad processes for achieving those goals. So you can, if there is something that you want to accomplish, no matter how big, that's fine. But then the approach you have to take to accomplishing that goal has to be one that is structured in a way that you get little bits of success, that you get little bits of momentum, that you get little bits of happiness from the fact that you actually accomplished something that allows you to get little daily doses of motivation. People think that a really big goal is inspirational in itself and they'll put a sign up and say, I don't know, we'll use a trite example like run a marathon. They'll put a sign up and say, you know, I'm gonna run the New York City Marathon whenever such a thing is possible to do again. Uh, and that's supposed to motivate them. But the goal itself isn't motivating. It's the things that you do on a daily basis and the little successes you get from the process that is actually what motivates you. I see. I see. So one of the things I love about your your articles, you write a, you write a ton of articles. Um, if anybody wants to follow them, you know, go to Inc. Magazine and definitely follow Jeff Hayden. But one of the, the reasons I love them is because a lot of your articles end up with three words. Science says so. And I love that because I love science, neuropsychology, all of this stuff. And from a scientific perspective, um, maybe we need to even step back and say, say, what is motivation? You know, what, what really is it in, in an operational definition? And um, I'm also curious what drew you specifically to this topic, Jeff? Uh, the, the backstory on what drew me to it, there's two pieces to that. The first one is that I'm lucky enough, like you, that I get to talk to tons of really successful people. Um, sometimes I feel like I should be paying to do so rather than being paid. But I noticed that almost every one of them, when they talked about the process of getting them to this place where they had achieved something big, they never talked about this eureka moment where they said, oh my gosh, I've decided like Venus Williams that I want to be a Wimbledon champion and the number one tennis player in the world. She just wanted to get better at playing tennis. And so over time, that is what happened. 
So I, I contrasted that with all the people that would email me saying, hey, I really want to do something cool. I really want to do something big in my life, but I don't have the motivation to get there. And so they were waiting for this lightning bolt to hit them that would give them all the passion and purpose and meaning that they needed to carry them through so that they would achieve this goal. And so I, I balanced them up and said, okay, the people that aren't accomplishing are waiting for motivation to come to them. Whereas the people that are have just said, you know, I'm interested in this. I think I will get started and I will consistently pursue it and see where it leads me. And so that process of consistency gave them the motivation that they need. Whereas the people that were waiting for it, they are still waiting, unfortunately. So, so the science part, and I asked this for a very specific reason, because I, I went growing up, I went to Catholic school and my motivation for everything was typically guilt. Guilt <laughs> was it. And, and I'm in no way, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It yeah. No offense meant to anybody. That's just, wrong with that. that's just what I learned about motivation. Motivation was, I don't want to have to repent for this. So I'm not going to do it. Or I am going to do it because I don't want to repent because I didn't do it. So, so this is kind of the basis of where my, my drive came from avoid punishment, but I, I'm guessing there's different types of motivation. Well, it, it's funny because you can, you can, there's an analogy or what you're talking about is analogous to like the Jerry Seinfeld method. He, he talks about for years, he would have these calendars on his wall. And so part of his process was that every day he was going to write and craft at least one really good joke. And when he did, he would put an X mark on the calendar. And so seeing that string of X marks was what motivated him to keep the string going. And he would, he even said, you know, my sole goal was I want to keep this chain going because if I do that, I will build up a body of material. So it's the same thing as you. You wanted to keep the chain of, okay, <laughs> I, I don't have to feel guilty. I don't get punished. I don't have these things. And so that is your motivation. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And people sometimes struggle because they will say, well, I've seen this person accomplish that. So I need to follow the process they use and I need to find the motivating triggers that they use. But we all come to things differently. And so the first thing you have to do is lean into what makes you who you are and what gives you that sense of purpose to keep moving and then figure out ways to incorporate that so that it actually works for you. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM channel 132. We're very excited to be speaking with Jeff Hayden today about motivation and how you can keep your goals in 2021. Uh, hey, if you want more information, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn on Careers or LinkedIn, but stay in the area because we definitely want you to hear about the tips and tricks that we're going to talk about after the break. But before we get to that, Jeff, I have to ask you, um, you wrote an article about wanting to thrive in 2021. And if you want to do that, you have to quit hoping that things go back to the way they were. And I, I thought about this a lot because I, I usually have a few goals for the year. So New Year's resolutions, I guess. But this year, I was just so happy to turn the page on the calendar that that was enough for me. Um, and I think a lot of people were hoping that when they turned the page on the calendar, things would be different, even though we knew that they would not be changing that much. So I'm, I'm curious what drove that article and what tips that we can take from that so that we, we don't kind of get stuck in this fact that things haven't changed all that too much or all too much in the last few weeks. I, I basically borrowed that from my friend Ryan Holiday. He writes the, the books about stoic philosophers, like the obstacle is the way. Um, and he, he constantly talks about the fact that you cannot control what happens to and around you, but you can control how you respond. So the people that are wishing things would go back to the way they are or were, one, it's not going to happen. Even if it comes close, things will still be different. But two, a changing set of circumstances gives you the chance to say, okay, things are different. How can I take advantage of whatever those differences are? You can still grieve over the changes that are negative, but you can say, okay, this is a different thing and how do I take advantage of that as opposed to waiting until something returns to the way that it never is going to return to being. And if you take that control in yourself and say, okay, this happened, 
what will I do? How will I respond? Then it's empowering. And that alone can be motivating because you're saying I am in charge as opposed to saying the world is in charge. And I hope it goes back to the way I would like it to be. So kind of a locus of control thing, internal versus external. Is that, is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. So I write about that in my book switchers as well, that the fact is, is that if you have this, this internal locus of control where you feel like you are empowered, you do have, have, um, agency over your decisions and what happens, you're going to have a lot more opportunities. Certainly there are things in the world that happen that we don't want to, but we also get to choose how to react to them. And if we're constantly blaming the outside world and, and feeling like we can't, um, you know, make a difference in no matter what we do, this is really, really going to be demoralizing. So I love that you bring that up because I think that's an important part of motivation is, is your mindset and believing that you do have have some control over what happens. Not everything, but certainly some things. We have to go to a quick break, but stay tuned because when we come back, we'll be sharing concrete tips and tricks that you can implement today to stay motivated to achieve your goals this year. You're listening to SiriusXM 132. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We are excited you're joining us today. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, career director at the Wharton School, licensed psychologist and author of the book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. And if you missed the first part of the show, we were speaking about several new things that you can look forward to this year, including holographic technology to beam you into the next virtual presentation, a new Keurig-like machine, but for ice cream. And guess what? Now I'm on YouTube offering video shorts, which are two to three minute quick tips so that you can have your best year yet in your career. You can also find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Dr. Don Graham. And we're very excited to be speaking with Jeff Hayden, speaker, ghostwriter, LinkedIn influencer, and author of The Motivation Myth, How High Achievers Really Set Themselves Up to win. So we're talking today about how you can achieve your goals in 2021. So let's get into some specifics, Jeff. What is what is one tip around motivation that many find on the easier side to implement just to get started? My favorite is what I call set it and forget it. So we are taught that when you have a goal, you need to keep it ever present and you need to have this laser-like focus on it and it needs to be the overarching theme of your pursuit. So the problem with that is what I also call the distance between here and there. So let's say you work in sales and your goal this year is to do a million dollars in sales. So you set that goal, you put it on the wall, you're all excited, you're all pumped up, the first three days go by and you don't make a sale. So the distance between here where you're sitting on zero and a million where you have to get seems impossibly large. And because of that, it's really easy to say, God, I should just give up because I'm never going to get there. That happens to people, again, with my marathon example, happens to people when they decide to train for a marathon, <clears throat> excuse me, and they go out, run a mile one day, run a mile the next. It's awful. They come home, they're wiped out on the couch, your knees hurt, it's terrible. And you think, how in the heck am I ever going to do 26 of those? The distance between here and there is defeating. And the idea of keeping your focus on that end goal is actually demotivating. The better way to go at it is to say, okay, here's my goal. It's a million dollars in sales. How am I going to get there? That may be six cold calls a day, three follow-ups with previous clients, whatever process you create that allows you to get consistent results. And we can talk about processes and how to create one in a bit. That's what you focus on. And you say, okay, this is my job for today. I'm going to do those things. When you have checked them all off, that's what matters. That's going to get you there. And at the end of the day, you get to feel good about yourself because you're not comparing 
the person you are to the person that needs to have done a million in sales or to have run a marathon, you're comparing the person you are to the person who had certain things to get done today. And did you do it? And so that's probably my favorite tip is the idea of pick a goal, make it as big as you want, but then use it to inform the process you create that will help you achieve it. And then kind of stick that goal off to the side and don't think about it anymore. And in a month or two, you can pop your head up, look and see how far you've come. That's really exciting. Put your head back down, get back to work. And someday you will surprise yourself by how close you are and the fact that you can actually accomplish what you set out to do. And there's some things in that I really want to kind of untangle because there's so many good pieces in that, Jeff, that I don't want to lose any. First is you use the word compare. I quite frankly think comparison is the devil. It is it is <laughs> something that will, you know, we can inevitably find somebody who's better at something than us. And then of course we could find somebody who's, who's not as good as us. But I think this is one of the things that social media has really put front and center that we're always comparing ourselves, whether it's abilities or, or, you know, accomplishments or looks or whatever. And, and so I, I'm interested in that word because I like the way you put it, that you're, you're comparing your achievements today to your achievements yesterday. It's not that you're comparing to, to somebody else. Correct. Yeah. The, the idea that, I don't know, the best way to deal with comparisons, when you look at something and you say, wow, I would like to have that person's life. Do you really want the totality of their life or do they, you really just want this one piece of it that you think looks shiny and bright? And that's okay to want the one piece. If you then look at them and say, okay, how did they do that? What things did they do that allowed them to do this thing that you envy? If you follow, if you approach it that way, then you can create a process around it. If you're just wishing and hoping, then it isn't going to happen. But the best comparison of all, like you said, is who am I today? Who was I yesterday? And what am I doing to make sure that the tomorrow me is even better than the one today? And that is really the only comparison that matters because that's the only comparison that you get to control. I also, I also think that, that um, you know, I want to clarify something else because I feel like a lot of people hear that and think there should be a very linear path. But you know, you may do great and improve your performance for five days in a row, but then you might have a bad day or two. And that doesn't mean you've, you've kind of rolled all the way back down the hill. So I think people need to recognize that there's a lot of, um, you know, maybe circular motion in this and not to, to focus on any one day because that could really, really mess up your, your motivation. I mean, is, is that how you would, you would see it? Sure. Because the, your results will always vary, but the fact that you did the things that you said you were going to do that day, that you accomplished, with, well, say when you wrote your book, your first draft was not as good as the final draft, I'm sure, but you probably sat there and said, okay, every period of time, I'm going to write a certain amount and I am going to get my draft done. Some days you felt better about what you wrote than others, I'm sure. Some days you felt terrible about it. Some days you thought, what am I doing? but you stuck to the process and that got you to a result that then allowed you to refine and improve and move on. And so if you just thought about, wow, you know, did I do 5 million or did I do 5,000 in sales today and only did three yesterday and that's terrible. You have to kind of put the result side aside and say, what is my process? And am I clicking off my process? Now, if you get to a point where you've done three weeks of the same thing and you're not getting any results at all, clearly you need a different process. But the idea that it is, like you said, going to be linear and the hockey stick is always going to trend upwards, it doesn't happen for anybody. And actually there is research that shows that if, like say I told you, hey, what you are trying to do is going to be really, really hard and you probably are not going to get there, you are much more likely to stay the course and persevere than if I give you the shiny, rosy, you know, rose-colored glasses, you can do it kind of approach. Because then when setbacks happen, you expected them and you know it's part of the process and it's something you work through and it's all part of the deal. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers on SiriusXM channel 132. We are talking with Jeff Hayden, author of The Motivation Myth, How High Achievers Really Set Themselves Up to Win all hour long here on Sirius XM. So I have, you know, a couple of the things I want to untangle as you're, you're talking about this is applying this to careers. 
I think when somebody's in a job search, Jeff, people are thinking, my goal is to get a job. And of course, that's your goal. But the path to that is definitely fraught with rejection and um, ghosting and you know some some setbacks. And so I like the way you talk about the idea of, of kind of chunking it because I think if your goal is to, hey, I want to update my resume, I want to to make a new contact or I want to have a, an informational meeting or I want to get an interview, then you can start really feeling good about the progress you're making instead of focusing on that very end goal to get a job, which could take months and months. And, um, you know, and so I, I think people need to think about a job search this way in the way you're describing it, that could be a lot less demoralizing if you're, you're celebrating those wins essentially along the way, would you say? Yeah. And, and there, there are two different, there are two different stages of the job search thing for one of a better way to put it one if you are out of work then there is a certain amount of desperation but there's motivation that comes with that if you are just looking for a better job while you were in the job you currently are in that's actually a really good spot to be in because you can do well at your current job you can hope to get promoted there you can hope to advance but you can also be putting together all the tools and connections and things that allow you to be a better candidate for the other jobs and those things, as you click them off, like you said, that can make you feel good, even if you're not really getting a lot of responses or if the interviews aren't going well or other things like that, because you are doing the right things. You can't always control the outcome, especially where, like in a job search, I've hired, I've hired tons of people and I know I made mistakes and I, I know I hired the wrong people sometimes. I know I let people go or I didn't hire people that I really should have. That's part of it. It is a human thing. And so you can't control all the time whether someone will see you as the best candidate, but you can control whether you've done all the things that you can to show yourself in the best light that you possibly can. So I know I just went all the way around the barn with that answer, but the, the process is how do I make, how do I do things now that will set me up for later? And if you do that, you get to feel good about it because you will be more prepared. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And as you were talking about writing a book, which mine took me seven years, by the way. So um, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but uh, but I also think about getting a PhD and that took me um, a long time as well. I think there, there, there definitely is something to chunking it out because at the end of a year when my book wasn't yet published, I could still look back and reflect on all of the, the ways I've gotten closer to that goal. I've, I've narrowed down the table of contents. I, I hired an editor. I have, you know, now 13 chapters versus three, whatever it was. Um, and same with, with getting a, a doctoral degree. I will tell you, anybody who's, who's gotten one will, will say if they knew what it took, they would never do it in the first place. So there was some motivation in in what I call a lot of false summits is you think you're almost done and, and that keeps you going. Then you get there and you realize you have a long way to go and that keeps happening over and over. And that's one of the things that kept me motivated. So I, I love this discussion because I think this reflection piece can be very powerful for those in a job search or those trying to, to achieve a goal, like writing a book or something that is, um, you know, a bigger goal is to look at it as, as what did I, you know, what types of things have I gotten done? Cause you sometimes keep moving so fast that you don't even look at the things you've achieved because you are, as you mentioned, Jeff, so focused on that long-term goal that you're not recognizing how far you've come. There's some interesting research that goes with that. As far as when you're doing something that takes a really long time, there are people that will turn to you know, they'll have accountability buddies or where you try to get other people to kind of keep you on track and keep you going. And there are studies that show that if you phrase it, like say it was you in your book, if you said to your friends, hey, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to get it done in X amount of time, you know, but I know it's going to be hard. So hold me to it. And then you guys talk about the book and your hopes and dreams for it and how it's going to be and stuff like that. Research shows that you are actually less likely to finish writing the book because you've gotten a little bit of an internal kick out of the idea that someday you will have a book and you'll be a published author and all the, the fun things that come with that. Um, the key to using people to help you in a peer pressure sense is to say, hey, I'm going to write a book and 
just to make sure I'm staying on track, I'm going to do X amount, whatever that X is per week on it. Help me stay accountable to that. Check in with me. Don't say, how's the book coming? Because you can fib and say, great. <laughs> say, did you do what you were supposed to do this week? Did you do what you planned to do? And have people hold you accountable to that. And if you have people that hold you accountable to your process, you are much more likely to succeed than if they're just out there kind of holding you accountable to the dream because dreams fade and people will stop asking. Oh, I love that. So just to recap, have your accountability partners or buddies hold you accountable to the process, to, yeah. to the steps, to the actions you're taking, um, not the dream, because that is going to help you to get there. Love, love, love that tip. And, with, and withstand the temptation to tell people about the fun part of the accomplishing the dream, because that will get you that little mental boost of it's almost like you're already there. And that will make you less motivated to someday actually be there. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we're, we're talking with Jeff Hayden, who is a speaker, ghostwriter, LinkedIn influencer, and author of The Motivation Myth. We're talking all about how you can keep your goals for the new year in 2021. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and this is SiriusXM. 132. So one of your other tips, um, Jeff, is that you want a pro, not a coach, which is really interesting. I want to dig into this one for sure. Yeah, I, I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of pushback on this one, um, and you may too. So that'll be fun. Uh, I, here's the premise. Let's say we're going to use my marathon example again. Let's say you want to run a marathon, so you go back when local gyms were actually open all the time. You go to your local gym, you talk to a personal trainer, and say. I want to run a marathon, you know, help me create a training plan. That person is going to say, okay, tell me where you're starting from. What do you like to do? How much time do you have? You know, do you really like running? How do you like to run? They're going to ask you all these questions and you're going to tell them your likes and dislikes and they are going to create this bespoke special training plan that's tailored just for you. The problem is it probably is not going to get you to where you want to go because what you really need to hear is, what do I have to do in order to accomplish this? So in that example, I think a coach is someone who has been taught how to teach people how to try to accomplish something. Whereas a pro who is someone who has done that, done it several times, knows what's involved, knows the hard, cold truths that are that are wrapped up in it and will tell you exactly what you need to do. So it's the difference between what I want to hear and what I need to hear. Um, if someone asked you now for tips on navigating the PhD process, you're not going to give them all sunshine and rose petals. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hard not stuff. Not any sunshine or rose petals. Well, there you go. But you will tell them what is really involved and what they need to do and some of the pitfalls that they are going to have to overcome. And so that's my point with the pro. And so like from a career point of view, you know, there are plenty of career coaches and there are plenty of, you know, people that maybe you want to see as a mentor. But the best thing to do is look around and say, who is in a position that I some, someday want to be in and go to them and say, I would like someday to be whatever it is, running my own company, the VP of this division, whatever it may be, and say, if you were me, what would you do? What things do I need to do to be able to someday be in that position? And if they are the kind of person that you want, if they are a pro, they're going to say, okay, here's what you're going to have to do. And the sum of it is that it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be what you want to hear, but it is going to be what you need to do. And if you're going to devote some chunk of your life to achieving some sort of goal, would you rather do something that's kind of fun and kind of easy and that you kind of want to do that has 20% chance of working out? Or would you rather take the hard road knowing that if you take it, you're probably 90% likely to get to where you want to go? Looking back, I'll take the hard road if it's successful any day over the easy road that leaves me exactly where I was when I started. Yeah. I, and I, 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 
I agree with, with a lot of that. I think coaches have a purpose, but I, but I do see that being a part kind of like when you want to learn to swim, you, you swim with the masters because they're going to keep you much more motivated. And if you, if, if you really want to grow, they're going to push you in a way that that's maybe different and something else. It's funny. Cause when I was considering getting a PhD, Every single person I asked who had done it said, I wouldn't do it again, knowing what I know now, every single person. And there's a part of me that, that, that motivated me because now I looked at it as a challenge. And, and it's kind of like, I think with my book, I used the motivation of, of guilt. I, every time somebody would ask me, how's your book coming? I would, uh, you know, that, that Catholic guilt would come back to haunt me. So it's interesting that there's these different things. I think one of the things that might be helpful for people is to understand where their motivation comes from and is that helpful or is that not helpful i mean that, that's interesting you say that about the phd thing because that's what i was talking about earlier people said to you this is going to be really hard and in fact they said i wouldn't do it again if i had to do it over again that lets you know ahead of time that you were going to face some serious challenges and there would be moments when you would question whether you were doing the right thing and so when those things happened you kind of knew they were there. And like you said, you had this little chip on your shoulder that made you say, all right, I am in this spot and I'm going to push through this because I'm going to show that I can do this. If nothing, if to no one else than myself, I am going to prove that I can do this really hard thing. And that's motivating. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. And if you've missed an episode, you can easily find them on my podcast by subscribing to Dr. Dawn on Careers, where you'll find over 250 shows with fantastic guests and great job search tips. Today, we are speaking with Jeff Hayden, author of The Motivation Myth, also speaker, LinkedIn influencer, talking about how you can take steps to achieve your your goals, but we do have a mailbag. And um, Dana, do you have that that question on hand? I do. Chris in Portland emailed in and said, Dear Dr. Don, you speak about networking a lot on your radio show. And while I know that it's one of the best ways to approach my job search, it's so much easier to hop on the computer and scan the job ads. How can I motivate myself to spend more time building connections, which feels a lot more daunting and ambiguous than sending online applications? Thank you, Dana. And and thank you, Chris. I mean, this is definitely a motivation question. You have, so it being basically, Jeff, you have an easy task that you know doesn't really work and you have a harder task that works, but you can't get motivated to do it. What do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you say to yourself, all right, I know I don't like this. It's easy. It's not easy. It's harder, but you commit to some period of time where you're going to try. And because to me, the effort is what will actually create motivation. Because if you try, if you reach out to a few people, if you do a little networking, one or two of those is going to work out in some fashion. <clears throat> that will feel good. The success will give you a little motivation that will cause you to say, okay, I can kind of push forward. From a tactical point of view, there's a couple tips that I can give about networking, period. Most people make the mistake of reaching too high too soon. So, and I did that when I first started writing for Inc, I wanted to interview, you know, the top people that I could get my hands on. Unfortunately, I was not worthy of interviewing those people. And yeah, well, Jeff, I didn't get my call. I'm just saying. Well, well, you were were stratospheric at the time for me. So I I, I didn't make that mistake, Uh, but I, I would try and it wouldn't work out. And I finally said, you know, I have nothing to offer these people that I, I don't have a big audience. Why would they reach out to me? So I said, okay, which people do I have something to offer to? Because the best networking is when you give to someone without expectation of return. That's how you make, excuse me, legitimate connections and meaningful connections. So I said, okay, who can I get? And it turned out to be the guy that was making cat litter out of coconut shavings or a guy that started a business, you know, selling razors by mail, oddly enough, which turned out to be a huge thing. Um, But those were the people that I could reach. And I tried to do the best job I could with it. I tried to make them happy about the fact that they talked to me. I tried to make what I wrote be something that when I clicked up a notch on the, for want of a better way to put it, like authority or notoriety scale, if I sent them samples of what I'd done with someone else, they would go, you know, that's pretty good. And I, okay, I'll talk to this dude. And so I just kept ratcheting my way up until finally I was in a place where 
you know, I can talk to Mark Cuban or Richard Branson or Sarah Blakely or those kind of people because I had earned my way to that spot and I had something to offer them that made them say, yes, this is an okay thing for me to do. So from a networking point of view, reaching too high too fast will demotivate you because you are not going to succeed. And also networking with the expectation that this is going to get me something immediate is not going to work because it's not going to happen that way. You have to network and say, what do I have to offer this person? How can I be of service? How can I do something for them? And then hopefully someday that gets reciprocated. So, yeah, and I, I totally agree with all of those things, Jeff. And in thinking about Chris's question, um, it, it also is, is, when I break it down, I think one of the reasons it's so attractive to people to apply online and, and not so much to network is there's a big ambiguity that comes with networking. You don't know, was it effective? Was it not? Is this a good use of my time? And I can tell you, it's always a good use of your time, but, but there's a measurement that comes with, I applied to 10 jobs today, or I, you know, applied to, to, um, you know, this company and I got a receipt that they got my resume. And so they're, they're, I'm curious. Well, that, you know, that's true. But really, that's just as ambiguous because oh, true. You, may, you may send out 10, but most of them go into some black hole, you never true. Have, which is which is a horror. I don't understand why companies do that. If you have a hiring process and you are not going to get back to every person that sent you a response, even just to say, hey, sorry, it's not going to work out then you shouldn't be trying to hire people in the first place from my point of view, because it's, it's rude and it's, it's just stupid. So I'm sorry. That was, sorry. <laughs> no, I, you're, you're my <laughs> people, Jeff. I am such rant. But, and it, and plus it's just, if you want to be cold hearted and bottom line about it, it's also stupid because those people could someday possibly be a customer. So yeah. why would we want to say to someone, Hey, I'm just going to ignore you because you're not worth my time. Well, but then you're going to try to sell them something. So anyway, all right, I'm sorry, rant over. No, no, but I'm telling you that is that is like the the bane of my existence. Like hearing all these stories about people getting ghosted and things like that. But but I'm going to pull out the point of that that I think is is really what Chris in Portland needs yes. to hear, which is that it is equally as ambiguous. Yes, you can count ten job applications. Um, but you can also count 10 networking meetings. Now, what do either of those mean? Nothing until the next step. So I, I completely agree that there's some pulls as to why it makes sense. You'd be attracted to the, the job application process, but it's just not what is going to get you where you want to be, not just for this next job, but for the long term. So you have a finite amount of time in the day, spend it where it's going to get you the biggest bang for buck, which is networking. So I'm so glad we agree on that, Jeff. And we are coming to the end of our time here. So I do want to ask, I know there's so many things we didn't get to. Um, I've loved having you on. We'd love to have you back. But in the meantime, I'm sure people want to learn more about you and read your articles. So where can they go? to do that? Uh, I write for Inc. Magazine. It's Inc.com. I'm not particularly active in lots of social media, but I am on LinkedIn since um, I'm an influencer for whatever that's worth. And so if people want to connect with me, I, I do actually answer people when they do. It may take me a little bit, but I always do. Um, and so happy to meet people on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Jeff. And be sure to check out his book, The Motivation Myth for Your Goals for 2021. And that is a wrap for today. But you've been listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. And we'll be back next Thursday with more great job search and career advice. If you want to know what's coming up, you can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. We'll see you next time. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.